are Remy Hearties, and welcome to the grand debut of the Song of the Seven Seas, a D&D play by post. You've stumbled upon a treasure beyond measure, a tale transformed into an immersive AI audio experience fit for the most adventurous souls in the Seven Seas. Set sail with us on this fantastical journey, crafted for the sheer joy of it, and to give the brave players a chance to share this adventure with your shipmate. Let the storytelling commence. Twas the ingenious Game Master Moses who first birthed this wondrous idea. So if you seek more of their captivating tales, chart a course to start playing dot games slash GM slash Miss Dash moment. But me hearties, heed this warning. Though our AI narrator be a fine mate, there may be the occasional auditory hiccup akin to a ship rolling in rough water. But fret not... This be a proof of concept, showcasing the unrivaled narrative prowess of both our fearless crew and game master. Imperfections be part of the journey, but mark me words, it'll be a thrilling experience for all ye D&D enthusiasts out there. Avast ye scallywags, gather round as we start our adventure in... Chapter 1 Setting Sails The sun dips low on the horizon, casting long shadows on the weather-worn deck of the dancing dragon. The salty sea breeze fills the air, carrying with it the promise of adventure. A sense of anticipation is palpable among the crew, as you prepare to embark on another day of pirating under the watchful gaze of your captain, Eoghan one Eye crate Aboard the dancing dragon, each of you has a role to play. Whether you're a seasoned sailor keeping the ship on course, a nimble Deccan securing the sails, a burly mariner ready to repel boarders, or a mysterious arcane practitioner guarding the ship with spells, your contributions are crucial to the void. As the final preparations are underway, Captain McRae, a grizzled figure with an old sea charm around his neck, calls for your attention. He stands before a large table, spread with various nautical charts. A half-empty bottle of rum beside him, the soft glow of the setting sun, dances in his one good eye as he begins to address the crew. The sea is more than just salt water, me hearties. It's a living, breathing beast that can be both your best mate and your worst enemy. I've sailed these waters more years than most of you've been alive, and I've seen things that would make a kraken blush. But we're not just pirates, we're explorers, pioneers. Each dawn brings a new horizon, a new island to discover, a new adventure to live. His gaze hardens, but remember this, the sea don't care who you are. It can swallow you whole one day, or shower you with treasures the next. It's up to us to make our own fate. His passionate speech is followed by a moment of silence before he unrolls a peculiar worn parchment, the fragment of an ancient map. He looks up at you all, a glint of excitement in his eye. Now, let's see where the wind takes us next. Players, it's your turn now. You may introduce your characters, respond to Captain McRae's speech, interact with the crew, or inspect the map fragment. Feel free to describe your character's appearance, background, and what role they play aboard the Dancing Dragon. Duffy looked out over the waves her fingers toying with the small compass dangling from the dainty chain around her neck as she thought of her father. She allowed herself a moment to enjoy the salty sea breeze, feeling the spray of the sea on her face, 
the wind tangling her already untamed hair as she closed her eyes and breathed deep. A smile played on her lips as her heart sighed with contentment. Life on the sea was her home, a water genasi forever chasing adventure on the horizon. She snapped out of her reverie when she heard the captain's cry. With a sigh, she stepped back from the bow, where her little makeshift table she had set up with the nautical charts and navigation tools and went to find Captain McRae. She had meant to report to him on their headings, anyhow before getting sidetracked. Duffy stood there among the crew excitement, like wildfire lighting her eyes, and a familiar pounding of her heart as he told them of their next adventure. So this is why the captain had rushed her this morning for the reports and had her studying the maps repeatedly, she thought to herself. As the crew chattered among themselves in excitement, Duffy made her way to Captain McRae and asked to have a look at the map fragment. After a glance, she whipped her head up to McRae so fast she thought she'd surely snap it. She met his glimmering eyes and rough smile and returned her own as she said, Let the sea carry us to strange shores. Never one to tolerate flowery speeches, Tempest has to give the old man credit that his words seem sincere. He loves the sea at least half as much as she does, which is no small measure. From her perch on the ship's rails, she leans backward, slowly falling, as the world inverts and she plunges headlong into the sea. One quick swim to gather the last of her belongings and a final goodbye to her brother, Squaw. She is going to enjoy what comes next. She knows this because she has no expectation of what next may be. It simply is, and that is enough to suit her. Goodbyes in order, belongings in hand, she darts towards the surface. Exploding in a spray of chill sea water, she vaults through the air to land neatly on the deck. A fine ship! She looks to Captain McRae, who seems unruffled by her entry, unlike the gawking deckmates. Ready, sir! During the speech, the little robo-gnome sits to the side, tinkering with his pistol, muttering to himself, if only humans spent more time working and less making speeches, they would be as advanced as gnome. If I tweak this, maybe it will make the weapon more reliable. Oh, no wrong size. It's up to us to make our own fate. Sophia cheers loudly at that line, having obviously struck a chord with her. Once the speech finishes, she turns back to her game of cards. A small group of them are gathered off to the side of the main deck. Some sit on crates, barrels, or just plain stand around a small wooden table. Where was I? She asks with a glint in her dark brown eyes. Oh, right, she slaps her cards down to reveal a winning hand, much to the dismay and disbelief of the others. Winner gets the loser's share of baked potatoes for the week. She reiterates the stakes half to remind them, half to be an absolute sore winner. Once the others disperse and the table is cleared, she stands up to stretch. Locks of her dark hair are tousled by the sea breeze. The half-elf then leans back against the ship's railing. Her elbows rest on top of it as she takes in the hubbub of the ship. Seems the captain's found something good if he's making grand speeches and all. She looks down towards the little robo-gnome tinkering nearby. Aye, Rob! It sure seems that way. When do you think they'll figure out you have been betting with my share of the rations? The little construct laughs at the ruse Sophia has been pulling on the other sailors. Ah, well, 
she smiles down at her chrome friend. It's not my fault I have a charitable sponsor and they don't. She idly shuffles and reshuffles her deck of playing cards in her hands. Hell, I wish they had a sponsor, then I could squeeze more out of them. Her eyes glint in the same way Captain McRae's did before when he spoke of prospects. If you keep the spare parts and random trinkets coming, you can have all my food. He says we a smile, I'm working on something new, but it's taking a lot of parts. Sophia shoots a finger gun at him. Yeah, got it, she then crouches down beside him. So what are you working on anyway? She picks at a few parts and holds them up to inspect with no clue. I'm still a ways away from finishing this project, but let me tell you it will change the way I get around. I can't tell you more until I figure more of it out, he says, without looking up from his firearm. Using a screwdriver and wrench, he keeps working to get it perfect. After poring over the reports and charts she had marked down for the captain, McRae dismissed Duffy while he attended to other matters. She skirted her way around the throngs of sailors, seated around the deck, huddled in groups here and there, some playing cards or dice, others planning and making preparations for the promise of adventure that hung heavy in the air. She made her way over to the railing, to see the open water when she spotted the more acquainted faces of the crew. Breaking into a lopsided grin, she slid her hand along the railing. Well, Sophia, how many poor souls did you manage to swindle for their supper portions this time? Duffy cast her a playful, knowing look before clapping Rob Otto quickly on the back Rob. Make good to see you still in one piece with all of that tinkering, eh? Duffy, Sophia rises eagerly from her spot to greet the dear water Janassi with glorious, untamed hair. Oh, just a few newcomers. She waves the air as if it was no big deal. I was just looking to see if there were any good gambling partners among them. She tosses a look at the poor saps that had resumed work. Unfortunately, none. The half-elf turns her attention back to the ship's navigator. So, what's got you and the captain so excited? Duffy laughed heartily in high spirits, her sea-foam green eyes twinkling. Perhaps better luck at the next port. Her face sobered a bit as she continued. McRae's had me poring over every damn map and chart on this ship for the last three days, marking this spot and that, trying to find and match up locations to a barbaric sketch he'd drawn himself. He wouldn't tell me more, just told me to keep looking. I honestly thought the sea dog had finally lost his senses. Up until he held up that map fragment. Hell, it could be a fool's tale, but... Well, you witnessed it. Something about it has him fixed, and I believe in it. After the last three days, I need it. Duffy leaned her back against the railing, lounging there by her elbows, as she mused dreamily. Sure could have done with this over a drink and a round of dice. Three days you've been at it? Safia gives her a pitying look. Are you sure you weren't just examining a stain left by the captain? She shudders when she tries to imagine herself in Duffy's shoes, spending her time away, staring at maps, and not once getting a good card game in, in all that time. She claps a hand on her friend's shoulder. At the next port, your first drink will be on the captain. She shouts in the direction of Captain McRae, earning herself a laugh here and there from other crewmates. Then, in a lowered and proud voice offers, and your next drink will be on me. Sophia then playfully looks up at the sky and begins listing off on her fingers, 
and the next one after that will be on Rob, then Tempest, then whatever poor sod plays a game of dice with ya. She caps the joke off with a teasing look at Duffy. She casts Sophia an appreciative smile. She was thankful for her life on the sea and her close friends she's made along the way. I'm holding you to it on the pity drink, she winks as she pushes off from the railing, sliding closer to Sophia and Rob Otto. She lowers her voice before continuing. So what do you two make of the map? Ah, yes, I was hoping to look it over. It's not that I don't trust you and the captain, but I trust myself most. The little robot looks at the map. Homeless, he mutters to himself as he readjusts his shield on his back. Sophia cocks an eyebrow at the map in Rob Otto's hands and gives a shrug. Definitely. Old! She then looks around the ship and calls out to another friend. Hey, Tempest! Could you come over here? Sophia waves her over. Would like your opinion on something! Duffy moved in closer between Rob and Sophia, trying to block the fragment from view. She gave Sophia a warning look and put her index finger to her lips. Captain will throw me overboard if he knew I was walking about the deck, flaunting the map. She looked around impatiently for Tempest. After giving the map a look over Rob Otto's hands, the map back to Duffy, put that in my memory, he says as he gets back to working on his project. Sophia gives an apologetic smile in return to Duffy, and looks back at the map with renewed interest. So where are we setting sail to first anyway? She asks quietly. I'm not sure yet I'm supposed to check in with Cap later and get our heading. Don't think even he knows where to next, but... Gotta start somewhere. I'd like to see what Temp thinks about this. Maybe she's heard things down in the depths that might give us the right start. Duffy finished with a small shrug. Lost in her own world, as she often is, Tempest strides over at the Sophia's call. Salt water still streaming from her clothing to the deck as she walks. Still haven't figured out where to go, eh? She gives a cursory glance over the map, more out of habit when such a thing is presented, as she's already studied previously. Well, it looks like every location we'd be interested in is definitely located... Not here! And all of the not-here locations are with the winds at our back, so how about we get moving, and the details will come. Captain has a plan. Don't you worry. She gives a wink and wanders over to Rob to interrupt the poor thing for the thousandth time with a curious inquiry. Still tinkering? May I ask how you handle with the salty air friend? Very curious indeed. My creator Dripple Sprocket made me to be the perfect companion on a seafaring trip. I don't need food or water, get sick, and I don't need air. So in preparation, he made an alloy that is resistance to rusting from salt water, Rob says matter-of-factly. Unfortunately, he died before I was ever able to go on a trip with him. He sounds like an exceptionally thoughtful creator. We may be poor substitutes, but I for one am glad to have such a perfectly considered companion at sea. Duffy tucked the map fragment into her belt. I've got to get this back to McRae. I'll be back round in a bit. And with that, she sauntered off, whistling a tune. Sophia waves the water Janacy goodbye, as she nods in agreement with Tempest's sentiments. After a while and some more idle chit-chat, she excuses herself to take shift over the crow's nest. What could be better than this? Sophia smiles to herself while perched in the crow's nest.
Her feet dangle off the side in between the wooden bars. Sounds of ship life filter up from below, and there is a wonderful sea breeze combing through her dark hair. It's so peaceful that all she can focus on is how blue and mesmerizing the water is. The sea is looking mighty ripe for booty to be found in. She hollers down to those closest to the main mast below. If anyone strained to look up, they'd see a half-elf woman with a childish grin on her face and too much time on her hand. There's always booty worth having for those willing to look. She shouts back without thinking. A statement that could describe many actions of the wild tempest, scourge of family honor, bane of respectability, and reliably unreliable good for nothing. The bustle of the dancing dragon dies down as the sun finally sinks beneath the horizon, leaving the ship bathed in the soft glow of the moon and stars. You've spent the day preparing for your journey, securing supplies, and tightening bonds with your fellow crew members. Captain McRae, with his seasoned hand steady on the helm, plots a course guided by the worn parchment that has captivated the crew's curiosity. His eye glimmers with an adventurous spirit as he points the ship towards the unknown. All hands on deck! Calls out the grizzled quartermaster, and you swiftly find your positions. The sails unfurl with a satisfying snap, catching the brisk night breeze. The ship groans in anticipation and gradually picks up speed, leaving the familiarity of your last port far behind. The moonlight dances on the waves, creating a mesmerizing path ahead. An owl hoots from the crow's nest, its call swallowed by the gentle lull of the ocean. With each passing moment, the excitement builds. You are on the cusp of an adventure, sailing into the heart of the unknown. Suddenly, the ship's bell tolls, a sound that pierces the night. From the crow's nest, the lookout calls down, his voice trembling with a mix of fear and excitement. Ship, ahoy! Off the starboard bow! Squinting into the darkness, you make out a silhouette in the distance. An abandoned ship, eerily adrift, its mast broken, the sails tattered. The sight sends an icy shiver down your spine. Captain McRae turns to you, his face hard set. It might be a trap, or it might be fortune smiling on us. We won't know until we explore. Prepare to board? Players, your adventure begins. What will you do? You may choose to prepare your weapons, cast protective spells, or discuss a strategy with your crewmates. Will you board the derelict ship, or keep your distance? The choice is yours. As soon as the lookout's warning calls out, Sophia makes her way through the lively ship in search of a few of her trusted crewmates to discuss a solid plan. There's no mistake that she wants to board the eerie ship. The intent is as clear as the smile on her face. Despite her excitement to just jump straight into the ocean and swim across, she knew she had better odds of sating her curiosity of exploring it by first holding counsel with her friend. Duffy, Rob, Tempest, and another voice was murmured under her breath as she scans for a friendly face. Duffy emerges from below deck at the captain's call, hand on the rapier at her waist, as she dashes towards Sophia, clearly in search of her close crewmates. Duffy's eyes glimmered with excitement as she caught up to her, a light like wildfire, as she saw the same look in her friend's eyes. Safia's practically vibrating in her boots from the sheer anticipation she felt, knowing and sharing the same excitement as Duffy standing before her now.
So what do you make of it, Duff? She steps aside and gestures to the foreign ship, a good ways out, but within view of them. I imagine a waterfolk or few could swim over to scout the ship out, or send me in a dinghy, and I'll row over, but I may be a bit more obvious to spot to anyone actually on board. She looks back to her friend with a chuckle, what with my brilliant smile, being like a beacon in the night and all. Duffy rolls her eyes, but smiles mischievously back at her. First things first, she says, as she snapped her spyglass open. Safia waits patiently, happy to have a friend with a level head to balance out her dive in headfirst personality. This is why you're the brains of the crew all right. Brains I have, but do not mistake that for always knowing when to act with it, she chuckles, as she scans the ship for signs of life or dangers. I may play a hand in the navigation, but I am just as reckless and driven as any other pirate with salt in their veins. Even in the dim moonlight, you note the key details of the ship. Its broken mast, the shredded sails, and the marks of a fierce battle that mar its deck all tell a story of a crew that either put up a valiant fight or faced an overpowering adversary. You notice no immediate signs of life? The ship seems abandoned, and a haunting silence hangs over it. But you also observe something peculiar. The damage, while severe, is not consistent with a typical naval battle. There are no cannonball impacts or fire damage. Instead, you spot long, deep gouges along the ship's side, almost as if it were attacked by some colossal creature of the deep. Examining the boarding points, you detect no traps or obvious signs of danger. However, there is an uneasiness in the air, a tension that pricks at the back of your mind, suggesting that all may not be as it seems. I, I of all people know just how reckless you can be, Sophia snorts, as she recounts the one too many times she'd witnessed the water genasi sloshed after a night of drinking. Allegenasi was a favorite name she teased her with from time to time. So what do you see? Her voice is light-hearted, carefree. Tucking her spyglass back into her belt, Duffy calls to Sophia over her shoulder. I've got to tell McCray! Appearing from below deck, Rob makes his way over to his crewmates. Sorry, we're shut down below deck. What do you need? See if you can find Rob and Tempest. Sophia's face hardens into one of concern as Duffy turns from her to find the captain. Rob Safia is relieved to see another friend arrive and quickly catches him up to speed on what Duffy shared with her about the ship. Did you happen to see Tempest on your way here at all? She asks after taking a breath from her explanation and looks around them, hoping to see the sea elf. Turning towards Safia, the little robot says no, I didn't see anyone on my way up. Safia nods and places a hand on his shoulder. Make sure you get prepared if you haven't already. She gives a final look before scurrying off to find Tempest and rely the news to her. Hey, say, say, Duffy calls out as she hurries back over to her. I've updated Cap on the situation. Any luck finding our close mates? I don't have a good feeling about this. She grips onto the railing, her gaze sharp as they drift closer to the ruin. I only found Rob. Sophia looks back towards the ship. Can't find our sea elf anywhere. She turns towards the ruined ship, watching it along with Duffy. What did the captain say? After hearing your report, 
Captain McCrouse strokes his grizzled beard, the moonlight glinting off his solitary eye, deep in thought. His gaze shifts between you and the ominously drifting ship. A few tense moments pass before he finally speaks, his voice carrying an edge of steely resolve. Well then, he begins, his eye never straying from the spectral ship. Seems we got ourselves a genuine mystery on our hands. Those marks you describe, they're not from cannons or sabres. Some beast of the deep, perhaps. He turns to face the crew, a somber seriousness in his demeanor. But remember, lads and lasses, we are not just pirates. We're explorers. We signed up for the unknown, and the unknown is what we've got. He pauses, letting his words sink in before continuing. We tread cautiously. Arm yourselves and ready your magic. We don't know what lies ahead. Stay alert, stay together. Finally, he looks to you, acknowledging your keen perception with a nod. Good work spotting the danger signs. Keep those senses sharp. They'll serve us well. His orders given, Captain McRae strides back to the helm, guiding the dancing dragon ever closer to the mysterious ship. The night air is charged with anticipation as you prepare to delve into the unknown. Players, it's time for action. Feel free to strategize, arm your characters, cast protective or detection spells, and specify any other precautions you want to take before boarding the derelict ship. Appears amidst her shipmates, she had been dozing under a tarped pile of ship's equipment. She asks to borrow the spyglass and examines the gouges along the ship, to see if her familiarity with the sea would reveal anything further about the attacker's nature. This is almost as exciting as the dream I was having. Reality shall have to do. Safia breathes a sigh of relief to see Tempest seemingly appear out of nowhere. She catches her up on what Duffy and McCray had said before, while the sea elf looks through the spyglass. Duffy leans further over the rail, looking through her spyglass once more at the gouges alongside the ship. I've never seen the likes of it before, she mutters more to herself than her mates. Major Nine hands the spyglass back and hefts her trident. Well, it's definitely not friendly. Not sure what more we need to know. Except maybe whether it's nearby still. Tempest suddenly vaults the ship's railing and makes a very graceful acrobatics 19 and quiet stealth 24 swan dive entry into the sea. She attempts to sense if the giant creature is nearby, but the echoing footfalls of her mates on the ship's floor above make it difficult to tell. Perception 8. She spends another few moments ready to dash back up to the ship at the first sign of the beast. Safia mouths wow appreciatively at Tempest's graceful descent into the water. She's itching to move too, would have jumped in right alongside her friend if she were built the same way. Safia contemplates her odds of using a dinghy to row over to the other ship, with a small party, or to have the captain stop at the side of it. There may be risk of the beast, lurking just under the larger ship, waiting to spring into action once the dancing dragon got closer. Duffy gets up onto the railing, rope in hand. She looks back at the crew as she readies to swing over to the ruined ship. Grapple thrown over to the other ship's railing, she makes a great leap for it, Rope wrapped around her foot for additional security as she keeps a firm grip. Just as she hit the halfway point, the grapples pour snag scraps along the railing, falling to the water below. 
Duffy's graceful swing breaks as she falls after the grapple, her body just missing the side of the ship. She floats there on her back a minute, staring up into the faces leaning over the rail, some wiping tears from their eyes, others with their mouths gaping. Yeah, group boarding was best. A collective gasp echoes through the crew as both Duffy and the grapple plummet towards the inky sea below. Laughter ripples through the ship as Duffy just manages to avoid a nasty collision with the side of the ship. Crewmates holler and cheer, some offering jesting remarks, while others simply chuckle at the spectacle. The tense atmosphere momentarily dissolves into merriment at Duffy's unexpected plunge. Captain McRae, attempting to maintain his stern composure, breaks into a wry smile. Well, he says, chuckling, we've got a saying in these parts the sea's a harsh mistress, but at least she catches you when you fall. Her underwater stalking is suddenly interrupted by the distinct sound of a body slapping painfully against the surface tension. The figure of Duffy comes into view. Tempest swims over to assist them back to the surface. Hey there, did I make a quick dip? Look like too much fun? We have two ships we could swim back to. Just saying, dealer's choice. Duffy's not-so-graceful leap and fall into the ocean pulls a snort from Sophia that she fights with great effort to stop. She looks over the railing to confirm her friend is all right with a good chuckle and turns back to address the group in a hushed voice. She relays that it may be a better idea to have a smaller group go on ahead first and volunteers herself as one. She then looks to Rob. Would you like to accompany me as we make our way to the other side? There's a playfulness to her voice as she eyes her chrome friend for a moment before rallying a few other crewmates to help her prepare and lower a dinghy with her on board. She waves to Tempest and Duffy with a bright grin as the smaller boat touches down onto the sea. Sitting back, Rob observed the ruckus, wondering why there is no movement on the other ship. Duffy beams at the crew descending in the dingy as she and Tempest wade there, awaiting their next move. She looks from them to Tempest. What do you think? We all board at once or split up and sneak about? Rob loads his pistol while making his way to the dingy, his shield strapped to his back. I'm all for the sneaking about. Whether there are crews still alive on there or something alive below, we don't want too much attention. Safia happily makes room for Rob on the dinghy before it's lowered and touches the sea. Safia nods in agreement with Tempest. It may be best to stay in groups of two to three, then. Tempest, duff! If you'd like, maybe you both could swim on ahead in a pair, and the rest of us will catch up after you in our dinghy, unless you want to lend a fin and push the dancing dragon junior there. She laughs quietly at her little joke, but says no more to leave space for others' input. Duffy nods at Sophia. We'll give you a boost over to the ship before we split off. A little help up? The short robot gnome asks, trying to climb in the boat. Nods enthusiastically at the idea helps Duffy get the dinghy in motion before dipping gracefully below the surface to approach the ship from the opposite side as the other crew. We'll look for gouges large enough to use as handholds and to peek inside the ship as her and Duffy ascend. The dinghy is lowered down into the water before Rob can make it on. He takes a running start to jump in. I rob Rob! Sophia reaches a hand out to Rob to help him make the jump onto the boat 
Acrobatics 18. Her hand wraps securely onto his arm, and she pulls him into the small dinghy. There, all settled now? She asks with a laugh as she helps Rob at Dirk get settled in his seat before Tempest and Duffy can resume pushing it towards the other ship. The little robot stands up and straightens his himself. He finds his seat for the ride over thanks, got the hand Sophia. Sophia smiles warmly at her friend and points to the ship. Do you see anything now that we're getting closer? She asks they make great strides towards it, with the help of Duffy and Tempest pushing them along. As she begins to scale the side of the ship, she looks for any weakened points of entry and tugs on the boards to try and pry them loose enough to widen the open. Athletic 7, the damage must not be as severe as it looked, or this ship is absurdly well built. She pauses at a few different gashes to listen and peek inside for anything of interest. Mainly signs of life. Hmm. Investigation 20. Duffy, any luck? She whispers to the Genesee beside her as they cling to the ship like oddly placed figureheads. Duffy clings to the sides of the scar as she peers through, hanging on by her fingertips. I can't find any sign of activity from here, but I don't see anybody. Wait, I hear a... A shuffling, she whispers harshly as she whips her head back toward Tempest before shoving her head back in through the crack. She lowers her voice further as she strains to hear. It sounds like scraping against the wall next to us. Looks over the ship to find an easy entry and see if he can figure out what happened to the ship. Ram a safe distance. You and your crew focus on the gashes, marring the side of the derelict ship. You take your time, studying the scene with a critical eye. The gashes are large, deep, and seem almost organic in nature. They don't resemble the damage caused by man-made weapons or typical sea hazards. The gouges in the wood splinter outwards, suggesting a force that came from outside, not from something within the ship. The patterns remind you of the damage that large talons or teeth might inflict. As you look closer, you notice that the edges of the wounds on the ship are slightly discolored, bearing an odd phosphorescent hue that seems out of place. It's subtle, visible only due to your keen investigation and the eerie glow of the moonlight. Could it be residue from a creature unknown to your knowledge, or perhaps some form of arcane or elemental energy? What's more, you spot fragments of what seem to be scales, lodged deep within the timber. The scales are large, roughly the size of a human palm, iridescent and incredibly hard to the touch. The fact that they're embedded so deeply into the ship's side points to a violent encounter with a formidable beast. You relay these observations to your crewmates, the details painting a more vivid picture of the peril the ill-fated ship might have encountered. Players, you now have more information about the potential threat. How do you proceed? Do you discuss amongst yourselves, or ask Captain McRae for his opinion? Perhaps you have some knowledge or skills that could help identify the beast? The decision is yours. It looks like some attacked the ship and left it adrift and barely above water. We should check for survivors and maybe some booty. But we need to be careful. Whatever did this could still be around, Rob said, as he takes a little wood stick from one of his pouches and leans over to get a sample of the off-scales and whatnot from one of the gashes in the ship. You don't say? Safia mumbles, 
as she uses her crowbar to pry a few of the embedded scales out from ship for Rob and herself to take. Strength Nat 20 plus 1. These will make fine trophies to bring back to my mons one day. She then takes everything found into account, from her friend's findings, to the scale in her hand, and the abandoned wounded ship they find themselves on. She thinks back to the stories her mums told her about from their old adventuring days. Some vague ideas guide her thoughts, but she's unable to pin down a clear picture. History 11. Seeing a gigantic scale embedded in the side of the ship, Tempest plucks it out and inspects it out and inspects it. Investigation 10. She can't place it exactly, but is fairly certain she knows someone that could tell her more. She places the scale securely in a pocket before telling Duffy, I'm going to see if there's anything nearby that can tell us more about the owner of these scales. Be right back. She dives beneath the ship again and searches around for some local sea life. Perception 23 will search until she finds a dolphin and shows it the scale, gesturing to ask if it is aware of the threat. We'll play some extended charades with the dolphin performance 13 and gauge its reaction. A friendly dolphin, curious about the dancing dragon and its unusual passengers, has been playfully shadowing your ship for a while. The character catches its attention, communicating their intention to seek its wisdom. Upon understanding the situation, the dolphin regards the scale with its intelligent eyes. It chatters and clicks, the sounds carrying both caution and knowledge as it responds to the character's queries. The dolphin communicates with its clicks and whistles echoing in the water. It shares a tail that sends a shiver down your spines. The dolphin describes a creature of legend, rarely seen and only spoken of in hushed tones among the sea creatures. The beast, it explains, is colossal in size, with scales that shimmer in the depths like the sea under moonlight. These scales, hard as the toughest armor, protected from all threats of the deep, its roar alone can create waves, and when it strikes, it leaves long gaping gashes like the ones on the derelict ship. Its aura is palpable in the ocean, a disturbance that even the bravest creatures of the deep choose to avoid. However, the dolphin also tells you that the creature is not inherently malicious. It only attacks when provoked or threatened. As it finishes its story, the dolphin seems to tremble slightly. It quickly composes itself, however, playfully splashing water towards the ship before speeding away into the depths, leaving behind a trail of frothy bubble. Entranced by the amazing creature's ability to convey so much, Tempest thanks it before returning to the surface. She finds Duffy and tells her, I don't believe we are in imminent danger from the beast, but whoever or whatever was on this ship may have threatened it. Let's join up with the others and search it together. Together, would move to meet up with the whole crew, and then convey the entirety of her experience with the dolphin below, before raising her own suspicions that perhaps the crew or cargo of this vessel is the real threat. We should be careful and search deliberately. While I was down there, did anyone get a look at the layout below decks yet? I wonder if it's tight enough quarters that will be more of a liability as a group. She wrings some more salt water from her wild hair as she finishes talking and begins to look for any signs of resistance from the crew against the sea creature. Investigation 13, to see if there is any blood, scattered weaponry, Sign's daily life was abruptly interrupted. 
Duffy nods at Tempest and heaves herself up to the ship's deck to join the others to discuss their next plan of action. Before Tempest and Duffy have made it back on deck, Sophia busies herself working to get the captain's cabin door of the abandoned ship open. She pulls out her thieves' tools and, with years of practice, unlocks it, sleight of hand, 18 plus 3 proficiency in thieves' tools, 21. With rapier at the ready, she lets the door swing open and she surveys inside for a moment to see if any living being stirs. But her impatience gets the best of her and she rushes in a bit too excited. Perception 4. The gnome struggles over the rail to board the dialect ship. Once he gets on the deck, he readjusts his shield and looks around. With his pistol drawn, he starts looking for survivors. With a nat 20 investigation roll, your attention to detail transcends the mundane, enabling you to perceive the smallest traces and subtlest clues. The derelict ship's captain's quarters, despite the chaos and destruction that beset the rest of the ship, seems to have been mostly undisturbed. The door creaks ominously as you push it open, revealing a dimly lit room filled with an air of forgotten storage. The chamber is filled with items you'd expect in any captain's quarters, a chart table, a large, ornate wooden desk, a weathered bed with its sheets still neatly tucked in. On the desk, there's an empty bottle of rum lying on its side and a quill and ink pot knocked over, the ink long dried up. However, your keen investigation role allows you to discover much more. You spot a heavy logbook, its pages browned with age and saltwater damage. As you gently flip through the pages, you find the last entry. The captain's handwriting, usually bold and assured, here appears frantic and shaky. The entry ends abruptly, making it evident that something urgent interrupted the captain's final record. In a hidden compartment within the desk, you find a carefully folded piece of parchment. It seems to be a fragment of a map, its edges singed and water-stained, but you can make out some sort of coded markings and part of a coastline. Additionally, a shiny object catches your eye. Wedged behind the desk, it reflects the dim light streaming through the cracks in the wooden walls. It's a medallion of intricate design, its center embedded with a gleaming gem that pulses faintly with arcane energy. Players, a wealth of information and potential clues have been uncovered. What will you do next? Will you try to decipher the logbook, or the coded map, or perhaps examine the medallion more closely? Discuss amongst yourselves and determine your next steps. Haven't found any survivors yet? Should we head back to the ship? We can examine everything in the safety of the ship, the robot says as he starts packing his findings on the boat. Sophia pockets the empty rum bottle and quill, sure they may either come in handy or make lovely decorative pieces one day. She quickly flips through the logbook, concerned with only finding names of people close to her heart. Investigation 8. Does she recognize any name? S. With or without luck, she turns her attention to the medal line. She fights the temptation to pull it free from its position between the wall and desk. Time spent with a certain warlock had taught her better than to go grabbing pretty unknown things with pulsing arcane energy, arcana 10. She finally sticks her head outside of the cabin to see Tempest and Duffy back on deck, explaining their findings to the others. Temp, Duff, Rob, I've found some things. Sophia calls softly from her spot, once there's a break in the conversation. 
She then explains the different findings in the room to them once they enter. She points out the map, the logbook, and the medallion with ominous energy flowing from it. Moves into the captain's quarters with Sophia. The intriguing medallion catches her eye, but she's never been too good with the arcane, arcana six. However, old maps are definitely in her wheelhouse. She examines the fragment and coded markings on it, and is certain she can decipher some meaning from it, given a bit of time, history, twenty. Excellent work, Sophia. Does anyone care to have a quick look in the cargo hold or crew quarters before we head back? I know Captain McRae is probably itching for an update, but I really want to know what this crew was hauling. Persuasion 18 to get someone to join her search. As the group starts to split up with the investigation and findings, she heads to go below deck. I'll head for the crew's quarters right now, see if I find anything. And with that, she hurried off. As she makes her way down the stairs, she pauses taking in her surroundings, listening for anything. The coast clear, she makes her way across the level, spotting the crew's quarters. Perception 15. She sweeps the area, looking for any sign of stragglers or clues. Any other sign of what happened to the ship and the crew? Investigation 20. Smiles as her equally impetuous friend dashes off below decks. She will take another moment studying the map before heading to the cargo hold with anyone else that cares to join. I'll catch up in a second, Sophia answers in response to Duffy and Tempest, moving towards below deck. She carefully folds up the map she'd found and tucks it away on her person before lugging the logbook to the dinghy and securing it amongst Rob's findings. She then takes pause to consider the medallion when she re-enters the captain's quarters and just before exiting again, plucks it from its spot and places it safely in her pocket. Someone should know what this is. Are you joining us or going back to Captain McRae? She asks Rob just before she disappears down the stairs of the ship after Tempest and Duffy. With a clear sense of purpose, you declare your intent to explore the crew's quarters and stride away from the group. Your footfalls echo in the ship's silence as you descend to the lower deck. Your keen ears Attuned to the quiet, pick up on the subtle sounds permeating the ghostly silence, the gentle creak of the ship, the distant rush of waves against its hull, the eerie whispers of the wind through broken portal. With a perception check of fifteen, you detect no immediate threats or unusual noises. As you push open the door to the crew's quarters, a stale, musty smell hits you. It's a bunkroom, lined with hammocks that sway gently with the ship's movement. It's deserted, belongings scattered about, as if abandoned in a hurry. With your rolled twenty for investigation, your sharp eyes scan the room, landing on the various items left behind, a half-eaten meal now rotted away, an overturned game of dragon chess suggesting a sudden departure, personal trinkets, and letters from home that invoke a pang of sympathy. However, it's the state of the weapons rack that catches your eye. Several cutlasses are missing and a discarded pistol lies on the ground. The remaining weapons bear signs of a hurried retrieval, indicative of a crew that armed themselves in a hurry. You also spot a scrap of what looks like the same iridescent scale you found lodged in the ship's sight. Meanwhile, your friend spends another moment studying the map fragment before announcing her intention to investigate the cargo hold. With the decision voiced, she looks around, waiting to see who else might join her. 
Players, the investigation continues to unravel hints about the ship's past. Will you share your findings, or perhaps continue the exploration? Maybe there's merit in joining the investigation in the cargo hold. The next steps are yours to decide. The little robot follows behind Sophia, not wanting her to wander around by herself. Tucking in the pieces of evidence she's found, Duffy heads back out silently to look for the others in the cargo hold. With Rob behind her, Sophia first catches up to Tempest, who is intent on exploring the cargo hold, heads into the cargo hold, and begins looking through the stacked cargo for a manifest that could speed their search. Perception 19, the scent in the air is unfamiliar but stale enough that she can sense the ship has been derelict for a while now. She finds an interesting-looking chest and attempts to open it, sleight of hand five, but it's stuck fast, so she grabs a nearby length of wood and bashes into it, Athletics 21. She hears her mates joining her and calls out, Over here! Look at what they were hauling! Sophia follows after Tempest's call and smiles at the aftermath of her bashing into a chest. You've always had such a gentle touch. Duffy rushed into the cargo area in alarm, hearing the excitement and what sounded like wood creaking, as if being pried apart. At her entrance, Tempest called out and grabbed their attention. Duffy shuffled closer. What is it, them? Tosses Duffy a problem-solving stick. Crack something open and see for yourself. I'd say it's the finest booty I've seen since Rob's was seen flying into a dinghy. Safia giggles with so much tears in her eyes that she's unable to see nor keep her wits about her. Perception 3. Duffy takes one of the old boards laying around and uses one to pry one of the crates wide open. Strength 20. After wiping a tear from her eye, she decides to be useful too, by looking around but Tempest's joke of Rob's booty still has a stranglehold on her thoughts that she doesn't find much. Investigation 2. The joke goes right over his head as he holsters his weapon. He then uses both hands to search through the creates and boxes. The Song of the Seven Seas, Act One, Adventure One Post, Unexpected Turbulence. Suddenly, without any warning, the ship lurches violently, as if hit by a colossal wave. Everyone is caught off guard, and the sound of splintering wood and crashing waves deafens your senses. The tranquil scene abruptly shatters, replaced by pandemonium and disarray. Those who fail to meet a DC-15 dexterity saving throw find themselves at the mercy of the ship's sudden movement. You are thrown off balance, tumbling to the deck as the ship's timbers groan and shriek in protest. The unsteady footing makes it difficult to find purchase, the slick surface further exacerbating the challenge. You risk taking minor bruising or even sustain light damage from colliding with loose objects or ship equipment. Personal items? Unsecured cargo and other loose objects turn into unpredictable hazards, careening across the ship's decks and interior spaces. The situation becomes even more chaotic within the cramped quarters below deck. Those in the cargo hold, or the crew's quarters, might find themselves amidst a rain of miscellaneous items, as belongings not tied down fly through the air, potentially causing harm or blocking puffs. The gentle sway of the hammocks in the crew's quarters turns into a wild swing, and the weapons rack clatters, the remaining cutlasses clanging against each other. In the captain's quarters, the desk skids across the floor, and the logbook and mysterious medallion are tossed into the air. Players, 
you find yourselves in a chaotic and unpredictable situation. Will you try to find cover, help others, or perhaps investigate the cause of this sudden disturbance? Your next moves might be crucial for your safety and for your ongoing investigation. Duffy staggers a bit as she regained her footing after being tossed across the cargo hold. In the moment it takes to collect herself, she looks about frantically, searching for her three companions around the crates. S-A-F Um, Rob? She huffs a breath on the last shout, straining to hear above the groaning of the ship and debris. Perception 11. As the ship lurches violently, she reacts almost as if she was expecting it, reaching out immediately and catching Sophia's wrist. The air becomes thick with freshly liberated mold spores, dust, and generally anything not bolted down. Tempest dodges most everything, but knows in the back of her mind she will find a mystery bruise or two tomorrow. She sees Sophia is just as quick to adapt to the deck pitching and releases her wrist to grab on a nearby beam to keep her stable until the violent motion ceases. Duffy's voice comes from nearby, but a wall of debris reflects her voice, lending it an unexpected timbre. Safe and I are fine. Where's Rob? And what in the seven hells was that? She gives Sophia and herself a quick appraisal, medicine six, and is pretty sure they aren't short any limbs. She then begins vaulting over the shattered crates to move towards the sound of Duffy and to look for Rob. Acrobatics twenty as the adrenaline courses through her, she feels light as a jellyfish and easily navigates the debris, unable to resist looking for anything of value she can snatch as she does so. Perception 23. If you can hear me, head topside. She looks back to see if Sophia is keeping pace. With her friends yelling back in confirmation, Duffy swivels and heads into a full-on run to get to the ship's open deck, vaulting over toppled and smashed crates and various belongings left behind from the crew. Athletics 17. She looks around as she rushes to get out from below looking for any sign of the cause for the chaos. All she sees are a few rats scurrying across the boards. Perception 11. As Rob is thrown into the air, he tucks his body against his shield like a turtle and turns over to land on his shield when he hits the floor. Sophia's body reacts near automatically to the violent rocking of the ship. Her body rides out the movements easily and she gives a nod to Tempest beside her holding onto her wrist. Sophia springs into action after Tempest takes point and dodges a few airborne crates and wooden planks of her own as she keeps pace with the CL. She only trips once or twice, but not enough to lose momentum. Acrobatics 14. Sophia's eyes catch the backside of Duffy, scrambling up the stairs and smiles. At least she can be sure she made it topside. Tempest, head topside, I got Rob Sophia shouts and doesn't meet her gaze because she's too preoccupied looking at the floor. Where are you? Ah! She's just barely able to pick out her friend from the rest of the cannonballs, rolling around, but she runs by and scoops up Rob, who's currently curled up like a cannonball, with his shield on his back, perception twelve, at the moment he looks more like a turtle. I'm taking you up, is all she says, as she makes a run for topside. Once above deck, she strains to figure out what rocked the ship, but is unable to calm down enough to put pieces together. Investigation 5, the sight of her friend Duffy, brings her some relief at least.
Duff, what the hell is happening? She looks back to the stairs, hoping to see Tempest pop out in a few seconds after her. Safia also holds onto Rob loosely, allowing him to either stay in her arms or hop off and stand on his own feet on the main deck. The autonome pops his head up from the turtle position. Is it safe? Where should I shoot? He asks as he draws a gun while riding in Safia's arms. Having made it topside, she looks around to spot their ship and rushes to the deck railing to see if whatever is affecting the derelict ship is affecting the derelict ship. Investigation 9, with the ship's distance and the derelict rocking, it's difficult to tell how much is the sea state or possibly something else. Captain, you good? She shouts, hoping to hear a response from their own vessel, but knows the sea can swallow voices as easily as it does entire ship. Duffy scales the last few steps as she makes it to the deck and spins, looking around the deck, spotting her friends ascending from below and over to their ship in the chaos. Perception 18 After weathering the ship's sudden upheaval, Duffy scrambles to the top deck, her senses on high alert. With a perception roll of 18, her keen eyes take in the frantic scene around her, the chaos of the ship's movement and the restless sea. The first thing she notices is the churned-up sea around the ship, which is anything but normal. Large, frothy waves crash against the sides of the ship, the water a shade darker and more turbulent than before. The ship rocks and sways under this assault, its timbers groaning under the stress. Then she sees it. Not too far from the ship, the water bulges upwards unnaturally, as if something massive is moving just beneath the surface. For a fleeting moment, she spots a glimpse of something iridescent, a scale, perhaps similar to the ones you found earlier. Then it's gone, swallowed by the depth. The wind carries an unusual, low-frequency vibration, not quite a sound, more like a feeling, like the deep, resonant notes of a massive underwater bed. The sensation makes the hair on the back of her neck stand on end. This is no ordinary storm, and the ship isn't merely drifting. Something beneath the water is causing this. In the sky above, the previously calm seagulls are now in disarray, circling nervously and squawking in alarm. Their behavior suggests the presence of a large predator. Players, a potentially colossal threat, lurks beneath the waves, causing the ship's disturbance. How will you react to this development? Will you prepare for a possible encounter? Try to navigate away? or perhaps attempt to communicate or negotiate with the creature. Your next actions could shape the course of this adventure. Looking around at her shipmates, Tempest only knows that she can't let anything happen to them. She remembers what the dolphin conveyed before. If she can just convince it, they're not a threat. Again, she is in motion, almost before the thought fully forms, rushing towards a broken portion of the ship's, railing with a giant form cresting just beyond. She drops her trident almost as an afterthought, so as not to convey aggression. I have an idea. She shouts to no one in particular as she goes to leap, but the pitching deck is slick with salt spray, and she plummets gracelessly into the churning sea. Athletics 10 Beneath the surface, she attempts to identify the creature as she kicks off the side of the ship, launching herself towards it. She looks to identify the head, before gesturing calmly. Animal handling 15. We are not a threat. We are not a threat.
She forces the idea through her mind and actions over and over, as she studies it now, that its form is in view. It's absolutely massive. The tales don't do it justice. History 19. She knows that even if this creature swallows her whole, it will almost have been worth it to be in the presence of something so surreal. She waits to see if the response is positive or negative, hoping a failure will at least buy her friends time to retreat. Sophia acts just as Duffy and Tempest, leave her side to make sense of this all in their own way. Nothing to shoot yet, just keep your wits about you, Rob, she murmurs to him, still in her arms. Crew, steady yourselves, be ready to act in a moment's notice. She rallies those near her with a confidence that quells them and earns their trust in her direction, persuasion nineteen. She studies the water where Tempest had plummeted into, silently wishing her luck, and then picks up her trident, sure to keep it safe until her friend returned. Duffy looked to the crew members left aboard the Dancing Dragon, who were all now leaning over the rails, watching in terror what was unfolding in front of their eyes. She bellowed at them to be at the ready, and prepared to make way, but they only shook their heads frantically, frozen in fear. Persuasion, too? She jogged across the deck, skirting around the gathered crewmates, to Rob and Sophia, and halted. She stood there dumbly alongside them, her rapier at the ready in one hand, as she looked over the rails, keeping her friends within arm's length as they held their breath and waited. Seeing the monstrous form beneath the surface, Tempest readies herself. With an instinctive grasp of the creature's nature, animal handling fifteen, she knows she must not present herself as a threat. She keeps her movements slow and deliberate, maintaining eye contact with the beast as she tries to discern its intentions. Her knowledge of the ancient legends and sea tales, History 19, confirms her initial fear and excitement. This is indeed a leviathan, a creature of enormous power and grandeur. Its sheer size is humbling, and Tempest feels an overwhelming sense of respect and awe. The creature is more magnificent and terrifying than any tale could capture, its form a testament to the unbridled power of the sea. It circles beneath the surface, the gleam of its massive scales visible through the frothing sea. Tempest keeps her thoughts focused, repeating her mantra of peace. The Leviathan, despite its monstrous size, is a creature of the sea, and as such, should understand and respond to her intentions. As you continue to observe the creature beneath the surface, you suddenly realize your initial identification was incorrect. The behemoth creature, gliding beneath the tumultuous waters, isn't a just a leviathan, but a dragon turtle, a legendary and ancient creature known for its immense size, strength, and territorial nature. The dragon turtle moves with an eerie grace for its size its gigantic form casting an intimidating shadow beneath the surface of the water. With a roll of nineteen in history, you recall that dragon turtles are known to be quite intelligent, and some even have the ability to understand and, in rare cases, speak humanoid languages. The scales you'd found earlier, iridescent and sharp, match the ones on the dragon turtle's back, glinting like polished emerald armor under the stormy sky. Its massive head, resembling a dragon's but beaked like a turtle's, emerges slightly from the water, eyes locking with yours. Tempest, you are face to face with a living legend, a creature from the old sailor tale.
You keep your mantra steady in your mind, your actions calm and non-threatening. Tempest, the challenge is great, but so might be the reward. What will your next steps be in this critical moment? Will you try to communicate with a dragon turtle, demonstrate a sign of respect, or perhaps try something completely different? The situation is tense, and your choices now might determine the fate of your entire crew. Facing the Grand Dragon Turtle, Tempest attempts to speak with it in Aquan, theorizing it to be the most likely language it would understand. She first attempts to determine its intentions. Why is it here? Is it hostile or simply so large that to insignificant humanoids all actions are alarming? She has taken the fact that she is still alive as a win of the highest order, and in the moment it locks eyes with her, she sees into its soul. Hmm, inside twenty-two, Nat twenty. She quickly bows her head in deference, attempting to show no fear, performance seventeen, as she addresses it. Greetings, most magnificent of the sea. Might I convince you to allow my friends and I safe passage through waters we knew not were yours? The Dragon Turtle, a colossal monument to the power of the sea, floats ominously beneath the waves, watching the unfolding events with eyes older than many kingdoms. It beholds the audacious creature before it, her body dwarfed by the creature's titanic size, yet her spirit undeterred. Tempest's insight, piercing as a harpoon's point, insight 22, nat 22, nat 20, allows her to sense the creature's intentions. It is an ancient being unaccustomed to being disturbed by such small creatures as humans. Its movements, while causing upheaval and chaos to the crew, are merely its own way of navigating its domain. It doesn't harbor immediate aggression, but its patience appears to be waning. In response to Tempest's deferential performance, Performance 17, the dragon turtle pauses. Its gigantic eyes, swirling with the hues of the deep sea, narrow thoughtfully. It listens as she speaks in Aquan, her words resonating through the water. Its voice rumbles through the waves, echoing in Tempest's mind like the deepest ocean trench. It responds in a language Tempest understands Aquan, indeed its tone neither hostile nor particularly friendly, but simply. Ancient, vast and deep. Many have trespassed my realm, few have shown respect. Your words carry weight, little one but actions speak louder. You seek passage. What will you offer in return? Tempest the Dragon Turtle has set forth its condition. How will you respond to its request? What offer will you make to this gargantuan guardian of the sea? Safia holds her breath the moment she spots the creature as it emerges slightly from the water. Quite the sight from the sliver she could see, and thankfully behaving seemingly amicably with Tempest. You got this tempest. Pride swelled in Sophia's chest, for her friend, taking on a legend with her words, and with care that could only come from her. The little robot starts to climb down from Sophia's arms. I think I'll be more stable on the ground now, but thanks for the lift, he says, as he stands on his tiptoes to look over the rain. Tempest! Tempest runs the past few moments through her head again in a flash. She thinks there can't possibly be anything that could be offered to such a creature until it hits her. There is nothing in the whole sea you could not claim as your own. However, my friends and I can journey the lands beyond the sea's reach to seek out anything you desire.
It would be the honor of our lives to perform such a task. You search the ship above before us. Tell me what you desire, and we will aid. Although we are small, our crew can accomplish much. Persuasion 22. Duffy exhales a long, uneven breath as she leans over the railing, looking on at the impossible size of the creature before them, seeing Tem's small form in comparison, a small glimmering speck below the waves. In all of her many, many years sailing the seas with her father, she had never seen anything come close to the size of this mythical being. She thought her sight had truly been bewitched. Can you believe your eyes? She breathed. Never before has she felt the sea's cold penetrate her bones as it does in this moment. The waiting is unbearable as she risks a glance at the giant orbs that watch her impassively, realizing that they are each larger than her on her own. The gnome lets out a whistle that's a big turtle, he says to himself, but somehow he said it out loud. He puts his pistol back in his hip holster, knowing it wouldn't help against something that big. May God protect us, he says in a little pray to himself. There's a stillness that follows Tempest's words, a moment of anticipation that feels as if it stretches for hours. Then the dragon turtle's rumbling laughter echoes through the waters, sending powerful vibrations throughout the sea. Little one, you speak wisely and courageously. It rumbles in its deep, sonorous voice. Its giant, ancient eyes seem to glow with a strange spark of interest that will cause you to react with a heart emoji if you're not skimming my post. Many try to flee or fight. Few dare to bargain with a dragon. The dragon turtle seems to contemplate her words, its massive head turning slightly to gaze at the ship above. I am of the sea and have little use for land-bound trinkets. Yet there is a story of an artifact, a sea stone, the heart of the ocean. Legend claims it was taken to the dry lands long ago. Its return could help maintain the balance of the seas. Seek this stone. Bring it to me. Her heartfelt plea, Persuasion 22, seems to have reached the creature, convincing it to give them not only a chance, but also a monumental task. Tempest, your words have bought not only time, but a potential alliance with this ancient sea guardian. You have been set on a path towards an artifact of legend. How will you respond to this directive, and what will be your next steps? The ancient's words cause such a wave of relief that she is no longer able to maintain the stoic visage the great sea dragon had just complimented her on. Constitution 9, combined with the sonorous laughter that leaves every strand of hair vibrating as though alive, Tempest exhales forcefully before replying. Again, it will be the honor of many lifetimes to aid you. If you have but the smallest clue to direct our search, we shall begin straight away. Regaining her composure with the thought of action and adventure before her, she hopes to display some capability by swiftly turning and swimming to the ship before launching out of the water to cling and then quickly ascend the side of the Athletics 22, she vaults the rail with an ease that belies the humors of trembling terror and adrenaline, still wrestling for supremacy within her elven form. She turns, now flanked by her crew, and feels emboldened by their presence as they step to her son. She bows deeply to the dragon, inclining her head to her comrades, to hint it would be respectful and wise to follow suit as they await to hear if it will offer any parting guidance or leave them as suddenly as it appeared. 
So is the turtle god going to kill us? The gnome asks nervously, shifting back and forth. He's tinkering with one of the scales as he asks to keep his hands busy. In a whisper, head still bowed. Don't think so. I'll explain in a moment. Safia nods to the rest of the crew to follow Tempest's lead, and she bows her head with several others following pursuit. One hand still firmly grasped on the railing, Duffy stands there still completely awestricken before tilting her head in a bow to the great creature. The dragon turtle's gigantic eyes slide over the assembled crew as they join Tempest in her bow. It regards them in silence, the stillness of the moment amplifying the ambient noises of the sea around them. Finally it speaks, its voice rumbling through the water like distant thunder. Your respect is noted, little ones. Your courage, admired. The heart of the ocean is not a simple trinket to acquire. It is protected by a force that responds to respect, courage, and wisdom. You will need all three to retrieve it. The dragon turtle's massive head dips below the surface, creating an enormous ripple that sweeps over the crew. I shall allow you to leave unharmed. Return when you have the heart. If you return without it, well, the sea is vast and my patience, unlike the ocean's depths, has limits. With that, it sinks beneath the waves, leaving the crew in relative calm, the air resonating with the weight of the dragon turtle's parting words and the magnitude of the quest they have undertaken. Crew, the dragon turtle has set you on a path to find the heart of the ocean. This is the beginning of a grand adventure that will test your courage, wisdom, and resilience. What will be your next course of action? Duffy looks sidelong at her companions, the silence heavy with the weight of the abrupt turn of events laid out before them. She slides her sword back into her belt. Well, I don't know about you, but I am Q-U-I-T, ready to feel the winds at the sails right about now. Let's shock McRae with the news, shall we? She says with a wink, before wandering toward the other side of the ship preparing to drop down to the dinghy. Sophia lets out a long, noisy breath, her muscles untighten, to the point that she nearly flops over from relief. Here, Temp, she says, as she passes the trident to her, and pats her back with nod of admiration and pride. Let's get back to McRae. Sophia herds the rest of the crewmates back to the dinghy. Rob, ya coming? She calls out to her friend, before boarding the dinghy herself. W-A-I-T-F-O-R-M-E. He yells, trying to keep up with those long-legged people. Would be better if you were carrying me again, he says to himself. We are lucky the turtle didn't decide to eat us. Sophia lets loose a relieved laugh when Rob pops up again. She quickly helps him back onto the dinghy. You should invent a Rob Otto carrying sack. She gestures the form of the device in the air in front of her, something you can strap to another person so that you can be carried around in it. Oh, yeah, that is a great idea. He says to Sophia as she helps him into the boat, gratefully takes her trident back. Thank you, Sophia. I was worried this would wash over the side, and I have no desire to be seen by our new employer. "'searching the depths for my lost weapon. "'She follows them to the small boat "'and decides to move back crammed in as a whole crew, "'partially to begin telling them in detail "'about the experience and partially to avoid the water, "'which is a new one for her. 
As she takes an oar, she begins, Definitely thought I was going to be one of the few to know what a sea dragon looks like on the inside. It said we needed an offering to trade for our lives, and all I could think was that it could have anything it wants from the sea, so why not offer to scour dry land? She knows she will have to repeat much of this in a few short moments to the butt. There's no way she could keep it in till then. She barely notices the ache in her arms as she rows in rhythm to their ship. Inside a dragon. Hom and that would be interesting, Rob says, with a look of wonder and puzzle on his face. Hopefully not interesting enough for you to try to find out. I hope she eyes Rob warily, making sure he didn't try to jump out of the dinghy. Sophia nods along to Tempest's details of the event, with rapt attention, and offers to paddle the oars the rest of the way so that Tempest could use both her hands to gesture with and emphasize the highlights. Continues recounting every detail as Sophia paddles in her place. She focuses on the feelings of dread and power, the immense intellect behind the ancient alien eyes when they met. How the dragon's physical form seemed to extend outward and encompass the very ocean around him, making her feel small, cold, and unwelcome in the sea for the first time in her life. She needs all of these memories crisp until she can put them to parchment, lest she forget a single one. She isn't done by the time they reach the ship and begin climbing up to the deck to go find the captain. Looks down at Rob. Need a boost, big guy? Oh, yes, thank you. Can we make a trip around the boat collecting the scales? I have an idea I want to use them for the little robot, asks the others. I gathered a few myself. I imagine I wasn't alone in that. I think it would be unwise to return to the derelict. The dragon has descended below the surface, but its awareness likely extends further and in ways we can't imagine. She offers the small construct the scales she gathered for herself from the pouch at her waist. I want to explore the inside of a dragon someday, just not today. Makes sense to move on. I think the scales I have should be enough for now, the little gnome says, as he pulls out a scale and starts tinkering with it on the ride back. Duffy picks around in the pockets of her jacket. Here, Rob, I've got a few ice snag for your collection. And drops the scales into his hands. Helps everyone up on the deck, and is unsurprised to find the crew of their ship waiting to lend a hand. Apparently, they saw the events transpire with interest. Where's the captain? We must speak with him straight away. Safier is singing a chipper tune as their group makes it back to the main ship. Her tune's a bit off, but her liveliness is infectious. Performance nine, we're back, she exclaims to the group and pumps her arm before helping to unload Rob's findings and the logbook she saved from the abandoned ship. Rob sits off to the side, directing where to put the stuff as it is loaded onto the main boat. As Sophia steps onto the deck of the ship, her voice rings out clear and high, the melody of her song slicing through the ambient noise of the sea. Even though her tune doesn't follow any recognizable melody performance nine, her cheerfulness and enthusiasm are contagious, infusing the crew with a spark of much-needed energy. Welcome back, Sophia. The crew responds in kind, their voices a chorus of relief and excitement. Some members of the crew move to assist Sophia with unloading Rob's findings, while others quickly gather around the rescued logbook with curiosity. Sophia! 
You've successfully returned to your ship and lifted the spirits of the crew with your infectious energy. The crew is eager to learn about your encounter with the Dragon Turtle and your next steps. How do you plan on sharing the news? Captain McRae steps forward from the helm, his grizzled gaze scanning the treasures unloaded from the abandoned ship. His eyes, hardened by years of braving the tempestuous seas, rest on the salvaged logbook. His calloused hands reach out, taking the book with a nod of appreciation. His rough voice carries across the deck. Well done, crew. Safia, your spirit shines brighter than a lighthouse in a storm. He flips open the logbook, eyes quickly scanning the weathered pages. His gaze lifts from the book to settle on each crew member in turn. We've been given a task by a creature of legend, a path that will test us more than any storm. But remember, the fiercest seas forged the toughest sailors. Captain McRae, you've praised your crew and hinted at the monumental task ahead. What will be your next directive to navigate this challenging quest? Now that all the booty is unloaded, let me look over the logbook so I can use some of the knowledge my creator gave Rob Says as he heads over to where the captain and Sophia are. Sophia waves joyfully and does a showboating bow to the others. I'm alive! She laughs as she finishes unloading the finds. She then grins at Captain McRae. Thank you much, Captain. She steps to the side to pat Tempest on the shoulder. It was Tempest's quick thinking and charm, however, that won over the legendary creature today. She eyes her friend with a warm smile before stepping back to let the others deliberate on the logbook. Sophia also busies herself with retelling the adventure to crewmates, such as Cove, that had stayed behind on the Dancing Dragon. Smiles at the praise, but quickly deflects to the task at hand. She goes to discuss the coded map fragment with the captain. She hopes their combined knowledge, her History 20, will shed some light on it. Captain, did you see it? It was magnificent. But I'm afraid I may have overstepped a bit in committing your ship and crew to retrieving the heart of the ocean, whatever that may be. I know what the alternative was, and just acted in the moment, but I apologize for such a liberty. Do you have any idea where we could begin such a search? The little gnome follows Captain McRae back to his quarters to go over the logbook. He focuses on locations and people he already knows while going through the boon, taking notes of what he figures out. This brings an impressive depth of understanding to the group as they delve into the worn pages of the logbook. The entries provide a trove of information filled with cryptic clues and maritime charts, written by a captain consumed by his quest for the heart of the ocean. One entry stands out, a story of an ancient shrine located on a remote island, surrounded by treacherous reefs and protected by cunning puzzles. It's believed to be a trial set by the original guardians of the heart. Only those who can successfully navigate these challenges are deemed worthy of possessing the heart of the ocean. The logbook also details signs of an adversary, a cunning rival pirate named Morwen, who has been chasing the same artifact. The ship's logs seem to end abruptly, with a final ominous note, Morwen's ship sighted on the horizon. The collected maps, illustrations, and annotations inside the logbook suggest a possible route to the island. However, it appears the previous ship's crew never made it to their destination. Crew, you have discovered critical clues that point towards your next destination and the challenges that await.
How do you plan to prepare for the journey and deal with the potential threats? Captain McRae listens to Tempest's words, his gaze falling on the coded map fragments spread out before them. His weathered fingers trace the lines of the chart thoughtfully. The twinkle of the sun on the rolling waves reflected in his eyes as they bore into the parchment, revealing a depth of knowledge matched by few History Twenty. No need for apologies, Tempest, Captain McRae reassures her, his voice as steady as the tide. In truth, you've done us a favor. I'd sooner face a thousand storms than the wrath of a dragon turtle. As for this heart of the ocean, we'll face that challenge together as we always have. McRae taps the map, fragment thoughtfully. There's an island marked here. He points to a tiny dot amidst the labyrinth of lines and symbols. I believe it's our next destination. He straightens, meeting the gazes of his crew. We prepare for the journey. Chart a course for this island, study these clues, and arm yourselves. We have a dragon turtle's task to complete. Captain McRae, you've provided reassurance and direction to your crew. With the shared understanding of your next move, what will be your immediate instructions to the crew? Tempest's impressive understanding of history and law, History 20, combined with the insights gleaned from the logbook, would allow her to recall some key details regarding the heart of the ocean and the trial that awaits them. The trial, the trial, is said to test both the courage and the wits of those who seek the heart of the ocean. It could involve challenging riddles, magical puzzles, and potentially dangerous physical tests. As the trial is designed to test a group's worthiness, cooperation and trust within the crew will be key to overcoming these challenges. The island, the island that Captain McRae pointed out on the map, may hold more than just the trial. Its remoteness and the treacherous reefs surrounding it would have kept it hidden from common seafarers, possibly harboring secrets and dangers of its own. It's likely that the island has its own ecosystem, which may be hostile to outsiders. Invigorated by her conversation with Captain McRae, she immediately whirls around on the surrounding crew. The glowing smile on her face morphs in an instant into a visage cold and hard enough to break a hull against The gathered deckhands have seen that face before, and their own faces swap expressions a half-second later as the yelling begins, Intimidation 16. I you heard the captain. This dragon don't dance on its own. We're not going anywhere with the halyard full. You there, give Hibbs a hand on the mainsheet. I don't want to wait on his snail pace. Trim the sails faster than you thought possible, or I'll leave you as an offering to the dragon. Captain wants to move people. Tempest smiles at the chaos erupting around her as the dancing dragon explodes into a symphony of chaos that rests direction from the unending entropy of the sea. She allows herself one more moment to enjoy the sensation as the ship's movement brings a fresh breeze across the deck, whipping her wild tangle of hair about her shoulders. She restrains it as she moves to lend her knowledge to a green deckhand that is struggling with his tasks. Duffy comes barreling up from below deck, two rolled charts tucked at her waist and compass in hand. She spotted Tempest amid the chaos, barking orders, and bounded over. Duffy's sharp, pale green eyes were practically glowing with the excitement for the wild adventure and promise of unknown dangers that lay ahead. She caught Tempest's gaze and grinned. We have our heading! 
Intelligence 19, as she snapped her compass shut dramatically. She leapt up onto the railing, gripping the ropes, as she stood there with her eyes closed, the wind whipping her hair, wildly about, as the sea's spray saturated her skin. Safia jolts at Tempest's orders and joins the crowd in its scramble to positions. Ay-ay-ay, she calls back with amusement, and soon starts up in song again once she's found a mop and bucket. Performance twelve. Hmm, Constitution save five. Spotting Sophia's antics, she attempts to maintain the stoic demeanor that whipped the crew into action, but her facade slips at a particularly raunchy line. Sophia belts out about a peg-legged pirate that still had both legs. Her laughter erupts in an ugly snort before losing all pretense and joining in on the next chorus. Duffy whirled around from the ship's railing at the crew's outburst into song and leapt onto the nearest netting of barrels, one rolling loose in the process. She rode the barrel out across the deck before stumbling off. Acrobatics 11. She tried to end the graceless exit on a jig, but one of her boots caught a mop bucket and she nearly fell on her face. Performance 8. The little robot looks up from his work-distracted commotion above him. Shaking his head, the gnome whispers mortals and their music to himself. But he starts whistling while he works on a dragon turtle scale, and his foot taps to the beat. The high spirits of the crew feeds on itself like a cycle. It's difficult to return her mind to her duties, but she feels she must. She playfully dances past Duffy on her way to the bow of the ship, where she takes a second to reassess the horizon. Nature 21. The sky holds some dark clouds, but she can see the heading Duffy has them set on will, keep them clear of the femme for now. She walks back past Duffy and tosses her compass back at her with a wink. Slave of hand 14. Well done, navigator. Now we just need a million uncontrollable things to line up perfectly and we should survive to find this mysterious heart. Captain McRae, standing tall with the gentle sway of the ship underfoot, calls the crew together on the main deck. The sun is dipping low in the sky, casting a warm golden hue over the crew. He clears his throat, commanding silence without a word. When all eyes are on him, he begins. Today, we faced the fury of the seas and looked into the eyes of a beast of legend. We've embarked on a journey, one that'll test us, bind us together, and, with some luck, make us legends ourselves. First, he turns to himself, pulling out a beautifully crafted compass from a pouch at his belt, its polished surface reflecting the dying sunlight. This here, he holds up the captain's compass, will help us navigate not just the sea's surface, but its hidden dangers as well. Next, he turns towards Tempest. For you, Tempest he says, handing over a silver ring that glimmers with an azure sheen, the ring of the aquan. For a woman of the sea, a chance to embrace it fully. His eyes then find Sophia, and he can't help but smile at her infectious energy. He hands her a gleaming harmonica. Sophia, the harmonizing harmonica. May your tunes always find the hearts they seek to touch. For Duffy... He holds out a soft piece of fabric that flows in the ocean breeze, and Duffy, he chuckles, the cloak of billowing. For those moments you feel like making an entrance. Lastly, he turns to Rob, handing over an elegant feather quill. Rob, a scholar's quill. 
May it aid in your pursuit of knowledge and truth. With the last of the items handed out, Captain McRae takes a step back, his gaze sweeping over the crew with a sense of pride. May these help us in our quest. For the heart of the ocean awaits. Let's set sail. Captain McRae has just rewarded his crew with magical items. How do the crew members react to their new possessions and their captain's inspiring speech? Gratefully takes the gift bestowed on her by the captain. She slides it onto her finger amongst the many jeweled rings she already bears and finds it seems to reshape to fit her perfectly no matter what finger she tries it on. She listens to him speak while idly playing with her precious new trinket, slipping it finger to finger. Thank you, Captain. She smiles as though she knows something she's not ready to share and steps back out of the harsh beams of the setting sun as her crewmates each step forward in turn. Or, Captain, Sophia turns the harmonica over in her hand. Her eyes sparkle with sentiment. Thank you kindly. I'll be sure to put it to good use. She puts the instrument to her mouth as she steps away. All of her heart and joy pour into playing it at once, and a beautiful song is produced. She skips and clicks her hurls as she dances about the deck and whips the crowd up into a celebration, performance 23. Oh, thank you. I can use this to sign all my creations. I'll have something for you soon, Captain the Robot says after accepting the quill. Seeing the cloak of billowing. Holy crap, Duffy! You're going to be impossible to live with now. That thing is magnificent. Duffy fastened the cloak, taking care to secure it, over her cherished compass, hanging from its delicate chain. She pivoted on the spot, letting it catch on the wind as she raised her arms regal-like and looked up at McRae, grinning ear to ear. Thank you, Cap. I'll give our foes a grand entrance they won't forget. She finished with a wink at the crew, and Tempest's remark, she claps her hands together enthusiastically. Aye! Let's set the wind in those sails, and dance with mischief. Aye! Sophia cheers gleefully as she skips back over to her friend. You're looking mighty fierce, duck! She hooks an arm over her shoulder, and gestures to those nearest to them. Why don't we have a proper party tonight on the ship? A little of gambling, a lot of booze, she looks to her friends with wicked delight. What say ye, friends? Smiles wickedly. Thank you, Captain. We appreciate all you do. Rest assured we've got it from here. I'm sure you've got more to do with those charts in your quarters. She watches the Captain head out before whipping around on the assembled crew. The devious smile returns. Greenhorn's up. Good news, friends. You get our watches tonight. I know you were probably going to volunteer, seeing as we saved you from being eaten alive anyways but we just wanted it sorted out neat-like. Sophia has some coin she's dying to give me, and I don't want to be rude. Off to work with ye. Duffy grins wickedly, delight lighting her eyes. I'll drink you soggy sailors under the table, then heartily take your coin. She laughs as she gives her dice a toss. You said the same thing to those privateers in Port Gourmet three weeks ago. Pretty sure your hangover outlived my longest relationship. She calls as she heads below decks to the crew quarters and makes sure no one is looking before opening her stash to withdraw a bottle of rum as dark as a kraken's pupil.
She pats the small coin pouch at her side and enjoys the clinking sound that people spend lifetimes chasing before hiding a few away, so she's not able to lose everything should she prove game enough to try. She drags over the small empty barrel that once held a despised ration of lentils that now serves as their table for such functions. The barrel still has an earthy smell that she burns away by bringing the rum to her lips. Blackbeard's balls, that's good. Sophia plays a couple more tunes on her sweet harmonica, with the final song leaving the crew in high and happy spirits. Performance 22, she smiles seeing a few members dance and whistle while they work to the tune she left them off on. Now that's what the crew of the Dancing Dragon should look like. Ike! She nods to herself, proud of her own handiwork, and goes below deck to meet Tempest at the usual barrel makeshift game table. On the way there, she gives a hearty clap to Rob's shoulder. Joining us? Rob? No, thank you. I think I'm getting close to a breakthrough the gnome, says hunched over his work, randomly letting swear words escape when something isn't what he wants. Having made a slight breakthrough on his current tinkering project, the little robot heads topside to take his turn swabbing the deck. The only mop available is twice his height, so as he mops, it looks like a child dancing with a grown-up. He struggles with the large mop, but being used to things being bigger than him, he finishes his chore. Duffy whistles a tune as she tossed her dice in her hands, walking by Rob. Hey, Rob, I'll be below deck with the other scoundrels if anything's amiss. She shot a salute at him before bounding down the stairs to join Sophia and Tempest. Sophia shrugs and happily lets Rob go before heading down to the usual spot. You may have had your way with the turtle dragon earlier. Sophia smiles at Tempest as she pulls up a crate to sit on, but I won't be so easy. She throws a potato onto the crate, just as Duffy joins them below, chuckles at the potato and kicks a seat, causing it to slide out for Duffy. That's cute. I prefer my vegetables fermented, though. She pulls the rum out and uncorks the stopper with her teeth before spitting it at Sophia playfully. Let's be honest. We won't be needing that again. Where's Rob, by the way? She asks, as she hands the swirling black liquor to Duffy, thinks for a second before reaching for the dice at her waist. Actually, never mind. I'm sure he'll catch up when he's ready. Gambling with someone that can calculate what the dice will land on before they stop moving is difficult. So first round, one shot, one bet, one roll. Snatches the bottle back from Duffy, takes a swig, tosses five spee on the barrel, and flips the dice in her hand before making it disappear. Game? Single d20 roll for fun? Winner gets to talk all the shit. After mopping the deck, the little robot heads down to watch the games and drinking. Alcohol doesn't have the same effect it has on others, so he doesn't really drink. Sophia grabs the bottle from Tempest and takes a swig as well, before dropping five spee of her own onto the barrel. Game. She then nudges Duffy with the bottle. Drink up, El Genasi. Duffy flicks a five spee onto the tabletop and snags the bottle from Sophia with a wink, before taking a long swill. Just glad to play for some coin, and not another fucking potato. Hey, these are some quality spuds here, all right? Sophia barks as she pockets her potato from the game table. Tosses the dice out. Well, shit. Guess I'll have to make some honest coin.
or bet more next time. Ha! She pumps her first in the air. Beat that duff. She sticks her tongue out. Now you can buy yourself a whole sack next time we hit land. Laughs at the taunts. She takes a second to enjoy this moment. Nothing quite like it. Slides her coins across. Booty! Her duff. Sophia picks up her winnings but leaves five spee on the barrel. Up for another round? There's a certain fiery glint in her eyes that appears in only two occasions when she's gambling and when she's found a pretty person to spend her winnings on. Absolutely. What's the game this round? You know I have no restraint. She says, as she pulls another five spee from her purse, leans back on the box and pulls her dagger from the sheath at her ankle and begins spinning it in her hand, casually tossing it before pulling an apple out and slicing bites off of it. She spears a bite and eats it off the blade. With a mouthful, Oh, saints, I think this is my scaling blade. Chokes the apple bite down before swapping daggers. I deserved that. What about twenty-one? She waves her hand over the dice, and there's suddenly a deck of cards. Slight of hand, twenty-one, looks to Duffy's first draw. Oh, someone has a tough call to make. Safia snorts at Tempest's goof with her apple and scaling knife. Enough alcohol for you. Next thing you know, you'll be hanging upside down off the crow's nest again. Eyes widen at Safia's draw. Guess I've nothing to lose in the attempt. Hit me. Oh, Oh, right. Who wants my traitorous deck of cards? She laughs and snatches the bottle from Sir. Just to get the fish-scaled taste out. Sophia laughs as she watches her friend down more drink before turning to Duffy. What will you do, Duff? Hit or fold? She'll hit. You've an obligation now, Duff. You're the only one that can save us from Sophia's victory tune on the harmonica. Quick. Below that fancy cloak out and take another card. Just one little six. Watches eagerly as Duffy takes her time, apparently relishing in the suspense. I'm not losing to this spud hoarder again, Hit. So close. Well, that's it. We're doomed. Safe is apparently untouchable tonight. Duffy snatches the bottle and takes another long swig. No more for safe. She can soak in her winnings instead. Sophia immediately responds with an obnoxious two blow. On her harmonia, performance dirty twenty, it's because you two upset the potato gods, hash and brown. What about a drinking game instead? And the stakes will be even higher since we'll be betting on our pride. Sophia pulls out three cups and places them on the table. She then takes out her wineskin and pours a shot's worth of clearless booze into them. See who can go the longest without passing out first? Her smile is that of the devil's. Bring it. Own it. Rob! Now ye sure you don't want to join us? Sophia asks as she looks to their friend before she downs her first shot. Shots, 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 shots. Woo! No, thank you. I'm going to head back to my project, Rob says as G heads back to his work area. Duffy laughs maniacally and throws back her first shot. Suck it, sea dogs! She slams down her empty cup.
Okay, another round then. Sophia fills another shot's worth for each cup. This is some high-quality stuff, so you better appreciate it. Looks around at her friends. Quite the sea state, eh? Then realizes the room isn't rocking. Maybe just her eyes. Temp, we're over here. Sophia waves her hands in front of her friend's eyes. You're talking to two sack of potatoes there. Mmm, Deception Seven Low tries her best to play it off. What? Of course I knew that. Falls off stool. There she goes. Sophia laughs and throws both Tempests and her own shot back. Can't save Nat twenty plus three. Refreshing. Sophia smiles with a shit-eating grin at Duffy. Go on then, Duff. If I was, hit drunk. Cool. I could I do this? Slams another round and immediately feels it in her possibly webbed toes. Drunk too. Snaggletooth Kraken, this shit is good. Hey, hey! I bartered with a freaking dragon today, guys. Sophia laughs heartily and pats her friend on the back. Yes, yes, yes. You're lucky the dragon can't see you now. Otherwise, we'd all be smited on the spot. D a m n i t. Rob yell from the rear of the ship. He is rare to anger and to swear, so every looks at him. Whatever he was tinkering with has a puff of black smoke rising from his hands. Yes, perk up. Eyes go wide. She looks manically lucid. Perception twenty-five. Did you hear that? I think Rob blew something up again. Breaks down in a fit of laughter that doesn't end until the ugly snorts begin. Sophia looks up at the sound of the explosion and Rob's raised voice. Well, there's something you don't hear every day. She has a look of amusement on her face, from patient Rob losing his temper to Tempest snorting herself to death beside her. I'd ask you to go check on him, Temp, but it sounds like you're in more distress than he could possibly be. Throwing his tools out his shop. God damn it! Why can't I get this to work? I have all the steps right. The little robot says, stepping out of the cloud of black smoke. Duffy shakes her head. Laughing at Tempest, just embarrassing. She throws back another shot. A H A, match that. Looks around at her friends incredulously. They must be playing a trick on her to be downing this stuff so easily. Shrugs and says, "If yous insist." Rob stomps his way over to where the three are playing the game. He grabs the wine skin they are using and takes a big drink of it. Mmm, drunk three. As she tips the glass back and drains it down her throat, the upward motion just naturally translates into a backwards motion as she falls back off the crate into a sack of Sophia's precious potatoes. Zizzy, Duffy bursts out laughing. Need to get your sea legs in check them. He then uses his sleeve to wipe his mouth. Of that's how you do it. Con twenty one. Didn't even have to roll advantage. Vise poison. Lol. He throws the wine skin back to Duffy. Explain the game to me, and I'll join in. Need a distraction from my work after the latest failure? Sophia is a in a fit of snorts and giggles from Tempest's final display of drunkenness. Her laughter only raises in the volume at the same degree that the sea elf snoring does. Roar! Sophia wipes a tear from her eye and whistles after seeing him down a drink so easily.
Glad you could finally join us. Sophia is already pouring more drinks and explains the rules of it to their chrome friend. Once explanations are over, Sophia downs her next drink on save 14. Barnacles, I think it's starting to hit. Me, her voice slurs, and her blinking slows, but she's still up and smiling, pointing at Duffy and Rob to now down their drinks as well. He downs his drink and starts to stumble, but catch himself. Advantage saves him with a 19. This is easy. Does it get any harder? Rob says, confused by the point of the game. Duffy catches the wineskin with a grin. Our boy Rumo legs! She holds up her glass in salute to her friends and throws back the shot. Duffy slams her cup down with a grin. I can do this all night! Sophia's hands are a bit uncoordinated, and she spills some of the drink she's pouring from her wineskin into the remaining cup. Yeah! Yeah! Ah! Do off! She wobbles and takes her next shot and sets it down. Can't save fifteen! Duffy waves her hand at Rob, gentleman first. Sees giggles in her sleep and drools a bit. Rolls onto her side and nestles into the potatoes. The little robot downs his third shot like it was nothing. His mechanical parts keep him going strong. He looks over at Duffy and says, Ready for another? She looks at him and smirks. Pouring another shot for herself. W-H-E-W. Your turn's safe. Sophia takes her her cup and brings it to her mouth, but misses, having it dribble off the side of her face. She holds her cup up to the blurry, vaguely shaped Rob and Duffy. She then slumps forward with her forehead, banging against the makeshift table. Oh! Duffy shrugs, downs the rest of her drink, and stands up with only the smallest sway, sleep well, miserable lightweights, and walks off to find her own rest.